0: Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow, is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, this is going to be the second to last episode of Season 2. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I am just floored as I think back to all the guests that we've had and just the amazing amount of content that we've been able to go through and cover over this last season. Now, today's episode is not going to let you down. I am so excited for you to meet our guest, Corey DePay. He's a good friend of mine. He's a coach coworker and he is someone that you need to be paying attention to what we're going to cover in this episode has a lot to do with high end sales. Corey is someone who operates in the builder world, and while I know that a lot of the focus of this show has been on the retail aspect, Corey is one of the best around when it comes to understanding how to sell to builders, and in particular, high-end custom builders. And what it really comes down to is being a friend. I think what you're going to hear in this episode is the heart behind Corey. When you listen to him talk, you understand that his customers just like him. They want to do business with him afraid to tell it like it is, and he also understands his value that he brings to the table, which just gives him immense power when he's going after these high-end builders. But before we get into the conversation, one thing I want you to listen for is when Corey talks about finding your customer. That's something that he has done over and over and over, and he's created a niche for himself that has just been amazing and is paying off really, really well for him. We'll circle back at the end to talk about this, but what I want you to understand is that Corey's a good friend of mine. And we have conversations like this all the time on the phone. And I felt really blessed by having him speak into my life and just understanding his processes for the way that he thinks and goes about his day. So I didn't do much editing to this conversation. I purposely wanted it to be very conversational to kind of pull back the curtain onto these discussions that me and Corey are having. And I I think you're going to get a ton out of it. Like I said, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. We'll circle back at the end and there's a few things that I want to talk about. Joining me from Seattle, Washington is one of my good friends and one of the best salespeople I've ever met. He happens to be a firespace engineer at Fireside Home Solutions. I'm joined by Corey DePay. What's up, man? How you doing?
1: Great. Thanks so much. That is an awesome introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, true story.
0: Your business card actually says space engineer. Isn't that right? It
1: does. It absolutely does.
0: How'd you come up with that?
1: A lot. Well, it actually my So my first like thing was uh cory salesperson to the stars and i i ran with that for a couple of years and it was funny and it was great except for whenever a job went sideways i would get a lot of crap from people about it. so so i decided to mess with it and everybody's always asking you to engineer the price of the fireplace and when i you know and i when i start looking at the the fireplace there's a lot of people that sell just the fireplace but to get into some of the higher, more custom, you know, custom fireplaces, you want to look at the whole area. So I started calling that the fire space. Because um, I'm trying to always pull people out, uh, talk about their finishes or a TV or a piece of art, something that gives me something to solve. Like yeah. that's the, you know, as you're starting to ask questions, you want them to solve a problem. So, so fire space engineer kind of came out of that.
0: That's awesome. Well, so for people that don't know you, you know, Corey, you're up in the Seattle area and you sell mostly to like the builder world and stuff like that, but you're selling the high, high, high end fireplaces. I don't know if anybody else that sells high end on the volume that you do. I mean, that's your bread and butter,
1: right? Yeah. I was kind of forced into it. Um, I've been with Fireside up here, who's the number one dealer in the area, but I've worked for all the other, the other companies around and So when I came to Fireside, I, my history was with a company called Masco running. I started as an installer and I was a production manager at Masco and they were really focused on the builder category. um, The kind of builder box stuff, the volume, that's what they, that was their bread and butter. So I come to Fireside and that's my history. I'm like, I know how to install and, but my history is you go out there and you get a builder that's, you know, building 30 to 300 houses and you get like five or six of those in your stable and you're gonna just make some money. Then I come to Fireside, and those stables are all full. Sure, there is nobody out there that's that's building that much that isn't already there. So I had to quickly figure out, well, how am I gonna make a living? And that was the place that was just starting. Again, it's about five years ago that um, kind of custom category was just really starting. So I went for it, and um, because I had the install background, then I could you know I could talk about that piece of it as well, and off we went you know i got kind of fortunate that right before i came to fireside i met a a gentleman that was the head of uh, Ortal fireplace okay and i was literally i fell in love with this brand um and and now it's kind of expanded to a, ty- a type of fireplace not a brand of fireplace sure. but frameless linear that's still a direct vent it just it's a uh, um it just got exciting so funny story how i found him i it was uh, Saturday. I was watching Saturday Night Live one night about seven, eight years ago. You know, having an adult beverage late at night on <laughs> house. You know, and because I'm a fireplace geek, I yeah. I look at houses <laughs> and yeah. fireplaces and designs. and That's what I do. So I started looking and I came across this fireplace that had wood all the way down to the glass. It was over framed, like just breaking all these rules. And my immediate reaction was, "This is the problem with house. Everyone puts these pictures <laughs> that aren't legal. Like you can't do this." So I started searching around, trying to figure out what brand this was and, you know, see, and I found out that what they were doing was legal and so I just, I found, I just kept calling and calling and calling and finally I got a hold of uh, Andy Todd. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had been talking to Andy about buying Skytech remotes and all (laughs) of a sudden I find out he's also the rep for this brand of fireplace that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and so I call him this day and he literally answers the phone, Corey, I don't have your answer about remotes anymore and, you know, (laughs) Me if you want, but this is exactly what I said to. Him. I said, Andy, I could give a about your stupid <laughs> remotes. Why didn't you call me when you had the coolest fireplace ever? Like, what is wrong with you? So we quickly, you know, started going down that road, and and Gil came out, and you know, I again coming from this other background, you know, I'm I've got the director of Ortal coming out, and I'm I just want to wow him with all my ideas and. We didn't have a showroom or anything. So I had just started building this little travel trailer. It was, you know, just like a little horse trailer style. Um, I actually put garage doors in the sides that would open up. So they were <laughs> you know, operable doors. And when you open them, they had fireplace on the side. Yeah. And so I started explaining to Gil, you know, how I was going to put one of his ortales in this trailer and drive it around, you know, Seattle area to sell them. And he looked at me and said, that's not going to work. And I was like, what do you mean that's not going to work? He goes, if you want to sell this product, you got to go find the customer that wants this product. You don't need the product; you just need the customer. You know, and it—you know, of course—it took me until he left to really sink it and hear what he was saying. Um, and it worked. And I just realized that that is it. You just—you go treat those customers good. Um, Every—you know—a BuilderBox customer has a friend that will build that will purchase another BuilderBox. So my view is if you go find a high-end custom customer, they'll have a friend that also wants to buy that. So you just try to run in those circles that you want to sell in and, uh, and, and get your ends through there. And that's kind of what I did.
0: Dude, that is so awesome. So I want to circle back here and give a little bit of context to our relationship because okay. we probably met, it was probably only three, four years ago, and we met in Mexico on an HHT rewards trip. And I I, want to hear that you tell this story, but all I know is that our mutual friend, Chelsea, heard you asking questions about, hey, is this Tim guy all right? Like, what's he like?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, we we worked for the same company, but just in different states, you and I. You worked on the retail side, and I was on the builder sales side, and I, I even forget what the whether the, uh, you know, when we first met or when I first started hearing, but I, it was, I just don't hear that passion that I, you know, that I have very often. And um, so I kept hearing about you and and seeing some of your emails and just, you know, what you'd put out there. And Chelsea is a builder sales rep from the Portland market. And her and I had, we had become really close because we were both hired by Fireside at the same time. And so we've come from other companies. we both had, you know, fireplace backgrounds, but we've come to to the Fireside family and trying to figure out, you know, how to make that work. So she became a good friend of mine. Um, and that's why I was asking her about you yeah. trying try to figure out like, where does this, you know, where does this personality come from? You know, rock star, retail <laughs> sales guy, stove installer. <laughs> it's like, you're just so de- so deep. Well, we did connect over rock and roll.
0: I remember that we, I mean, we had a great time on that Mexico trip. And I remember that you couldn't believe I had a rock and roll history. And I remember, I think I mentioned like, oh yeah, like here's my band and it's on Spotify. And I didn't think much of it. And you went back that night to your hotel room and you were listening to our songs on Spotify. And the next day you were like, dude, this is an awesome song. And honestly, that meant a lot that like yeah. you were like, you were actually into the, you know, art and interest that I had.
1: Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, this this is where sales really starts. Is like you can think of a lot of people think of you know this is my career is sales, but what sales really is is just getting to know people. Yeah, you know, you're just connecting. You're just connecting one thing with another. And uh, as you were explaining it to me and telling me about, I was like, I mean, the truth is, I was we were at the bar, and you're like, yeah, I got this band and. Play. Like, yeah, we all have a band when we're at a bar. You know, so part of me going home is just like checking your facts. And I realized how right on you were about it. So it's great.
0: Yeah, that's hilarious. Well,
1: dude, so I'm
0: really excited to talk to you. I feel like you have been somebody that, that I've really looked to as having the same kind of passion and fire that, that I felt, but applied to something differently. For me, my focus has been on retail, where for you, it's on the builder market, high end custom, and everything like that. But at the heart of Corey DePay, what I absolutely love is how likable you are. Like, you are a friend to everybody. And I want to hear you just talk about, has that come naturally? And why is that so important with sales? I feel like I'm going to over-exaggerate this question because I really want to get to the heart of it. But so often, people can default to kind of being a friend when they have to, but then getting really stiff and uptight about things. I feel like you are always... Happy, laughing, having a good time, and just wanting to be friends with your customer.
1: Uh, Well, that is great to hear. I don't know if it, I I mean, I guess everyone says it came natural. I I don't know. I think that it's a lot of self work. Um, I think the hard, the flip side of everybody liking me is the fact that the reason why you feel that way is because I feel like I need everybody to like me. (laughs) And I hate that. You know, I see other people where, you know, they can look at someone and and be like, ah, it's not going to work. Yeah. I I just feel that you know drive to make sure that everyone everybody likes me, which is you know sometimes a little too much of a burden to carry. I mean, we were just talking about this yesterday. You and I, yeah. Were the idea that um, it's no, you know a, a customer sales relationship is, is no different than any relationship. Is sometimes there's just not a match, and if you can focus on selling your matches and redirecting the ones that because there's times that you know from the get go. This isn't going to be a match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that person needs my bid in, you know, in one hour and I'm just, I can't turn stuff around that, that fast. So just having the confidence to, to pass that on to another salesperson that you're working with or, yeah. or just be honest with it and say, you know, I, I just don't think that we're not going to work out together. <laughs> every Have you had to do that? Is, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's that look like? Um, Often, you know, often it takes, it starts with anger, like before I'm ever talking to someone like on the inside, you know, I'm like, oh, that person's pushing back and rah, rah, you know, I actually, I'll say a real time story. So last night I get a call from, I have one national account that I work with and this is actually, we go away from fireplace, yeah. the garage door thing, but I get a call last night, four o'clock on a Friday and says, I want to, uh, um, Corey, your, your bid on your garage doors, it's a thousand dollars higher. And on this new plat that was starting, and they're calling me to say, "Your last plat, we want credit. We don't, can't believe that you're charging us a thousand dollars per house more than, than than you know than this other builder is or this other garage door company." So, um, I immediately, you know, my immediate reaction is to get off the phone mm-hmm. so I can collect myself because anything when I'm scrambling, I'm not saying the right thing. So I got off the phone and I started, you know. Going back to my own bids, going to see you know does it make sense? Is my number right? Well, how could this be off so? I never beat by thousand yeah. dollars you know, um, calling some other sales friends that are you know that can help me just dissect it and stuff, and by the end of it, I, you know I called them back and said, you know that's a good number Now you know if you're asking me if I'm a hundred bucks higher, like I could see myself being a hundred bucks higher yeah that's, but a thousand dollars higher ended up being about twenty percent high. That's quite a bit. So um, at that point, I was able to tell them, call them back and, and you know, bring some comedy and some laughter into it. But say, I'm telling you that they messed up on the number. I am confident in mine. In my number, there's something wrong with theirs. There's There has to be. I, I know the market well enough. Um, we as Fireside are doing, you know, enough of the nationals to know that if I, if I was $1,000 high on this person. Then I would be high on those four other people. Sure. As well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then it's just an again honesty, just being able to. You know, Tim Rath, like talks about a friction point, and sometimes a friction point helps you get the price. Sometimes it's a conversation like this, and you just tell it's that's the number. I know, I'm confident in that number.
0: Yeah, that's, that's tough. And I feel like this, I I want to talk about this. It's funny going into this conversation. I purposely didn't plan any questions because I just wanted it to be just like our phone conversations that we have. But I feel like one thing that I've recognized about you is that you are a truth teller. And, and I say that really specifically because I know for me, like you are not afraid to give me very honest feedback that can sometimes be critical. And that's something that I really appreciate. And I've seen you in, in big rooms full of lots of personalities and high ranking people As people are kind of tiptoeing around the issue, you are not afraid to step up and cut through it and speak the truth. And that's something that I've really respected about you. And I would imagine it's just hard for a lot of people to do.
1: Yeah. You know, it it comes down to you. Like there's people that don't regularly have, you know, get the truth told to them need to look at why Mm -hmm. there's enough people that want to share truths with you. You know, everybody has a few people that are really close to them, right? But if you're not getting that on, on the regular, the people that are closest to you don't realize that that's safe. Mm. So that's just, you've always been, I've always known you to be so open. Like, I, I honestly feel if I thought that I should convince you that you should never wear a black shirt anymore, you would listen to me. Like <laughs> you would listen. You might not agree, but you would really listen. I know that open. And mm. so the more people are open with stuff, the more people are, feel safe to tell the truth.
0: Wow dude. That's awesome. Thanks. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot and I always thought of it as like guardrails, you know, or the bumpers and the gutters. And but you talk about it as lines on the, on the court. And in those situations, that's what I feel like what happens is we all start tiptoeing around this line on the court. You know, we want to put the half court line in. Nobody just comes out and says, Hey, we need to put a half court line in here so that these people can't do this. You know, everyone starts just tiptoeing around it. And I like to get it out there and say, let's, let's flush it out. Let's figure out what we're really talking about. And because somebody wants to just say, we need to put a half court line in. And everybody's talking, but if we know what somebody's real agenda is, Then we can talk about that specifically instead of having things be always be in this gray area. I feel like I know what people are trying to get at. So let's just talk about that. Yeah. Let's just get it out there.
0: Well, I think that that's helped a ton of people. And I would imagine in your conversations with builders and stuff, having it's honestly like having the shameless audacity to just step up and say what's going on. I imagine Mm -hmm. that that has helped you probably more than it's hurt you, right? Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, it's helped me way more than it's hurt me. Um, It's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because um, it's a lot of sometimes people don't like to hear that some people don't like to hear you you know dig straight into the into the meat of it and and that's hard yeah so
0: here's I want to turn the tables to you so you we've talked about you coming on the podcast a lot and you've said that there's some things that you have wanted to talk to me about
1: yeah I think uh, the first one that um, and you've started these last few episodes you actually started to kind of talk about it a little bit more but. um, when the first one that I think came to mind through season one was you're always saying, let's make it so stupidly simple. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Cause the there, you can make something simple from every different angle. It's, I guess less of a question now, but that was a big one for me is, is trying to understand from you, what does simple look like? Yeah. And how did you come up with it?
0: I think the key with simplicity is, can we make our buying process simple to where there's no barriers? So when the customer has, when the customer looks at all the options equally, they look at everybody else and say, well, we could buy from them, but that's going to be a pain because I know that this is going to come up. We could buy from them, but oh man, just I, this is going to be a pain. It's, it's going to be, a you know what? These people, they were so easy they, they've showed us the steps to take. It's going to be simple. It's a no brainer. We got to buy from there. So I think that it probably has to do with buying process more than anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's where, when you were first talking about, I was thinking of it more like systems, not process. Yeah. I, I see a difference between a system and a process. Yep. Um, Can you define that real quick? Uh, the a system is a it's more of like mechanical. Yep. A process to me is like my process, which can also be like in my head or more of an emotional process or more of a, you know, um, steps one through you know yeah. a to b. Yeah. Um, I think I see it as those are the two differences. And so when I when I because I hear you talk and then I think about the way I do things and I you know try to make things match up and and see where I can make tweaks and whatnot. Uh, but for me, the simple part is my number one goal as I is, as I'm meeting with somebody, whether it's over your phone, email, or most often in the showroom is really the simple is make sure that they trust that I understand their goal. That's, you know, that's as simple as it can get because what they're looking for, it, what or what I want to be is the project manager for their fire space. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, this goes back to when I first got into sales about seven, eight years ago. Um, One of the builders that I had installed for and scheduled for for years um, knew that I, that that company that I had worked for got out of fireplace and that I had kind of spun off and was working for someone else. And his fireplace at his own home wasn't working. He asked if I could come over and fix it. And so I came over there and it was like, you know, one of those so simple, you know, loose wire, just, you know, 20 seconds and it's fixed. But it's six o'clock at night. I'm in this dude's home and this is a great opportunity for me. So I didn't fix it right away. You know, I took the glass off, cleaned the glass, just started stretching it out and just started talking with him. And I asked him, his name's Steel Granger. It comes from a family of builders up here that I absolutely adore. Yeah. And so I asked him, I said, Steel, how does it work with your designers? Like, you you use this designer. How does that work? Do you, like, do you send them a set of plans, you know, before you start building every house and have them give you a bid on their design for this house or he goes, no, no, I just send it to her and, and tell her what the budget is and she comes up with the design. And I was like, perfect, steal. I want to be your fireplace designer. And he started laughing. And, but from that moment on, I was like, yeah, that's it. This designer has this title that is just trusted, just trusted yeah. to the end. I can do that. Like I, like, I want to do that for you. And that's really kind of where the where it all began for me is recognizing that there are people out there that are just trusted as the best at in in their field in, you know, from design through install. Yeah. And if I can get into that builder's you know, psyche that I'm that person for him, then my job just got that much easier. But most importantly, that much more fun. Yeah. Because the hardest part is the negotiation that, you know, that, that can be fun, but it is the hardest part because, you know, every bit is, you know, a few percent one way or another can move And So, but if you can get them just to trust you out the gate and then they start recognizing that they're not paying for just the fireplace, it's the entire service. Yeah. It's the whole, you know, the whole package. And, and that's what I tried to do.
0: Well, and you said before we started recording here, you said something that was just awesome where you said your favorite question to ask when people come into the showroom and you meet them.
1: Describe what this is going to look like when we're done.
0: Yeah. Describe what this is going to look like when we're done. That is awesome. How how did you even come up with that? Because I mean, that brings you into such a bigger picture than just the fireplace.
1: So, um, as I, you know, as I've gotten to the point where I feel like I'm in a career, you know, a sales career and stuff, I started looking back and figuring out like how I did. I, you know, I don't have a college degree. I, you know, I I got a job as an insulator in construction for the first time out of necessity. I had a child on the way and I had to get a job. Yeah. So uh, so it wasn't like I you know grew up be- wanting to be a fireplace guy. I just grew up. You know, just grew up. And here I was. Um. So I started to look back and I realized that it, that sales is storytelling you know, which also falls in line with what you've been talking about. Yeah. So I started remembering, like, some of my fondest memories as a child was was my uh, grandma and grandpa used to tell me stories. Like, I've heard my grandparents tell me the same stories, you know, a hundred times. And they're always, they tweak a little bit here or there, and I was always on the edge of my seat. And yeah. so that, I think, is where, I think that that's where I really tapped into it, is just it, when you can get to that emotional place and you're invested emotionally, whether it's, you know, and not just happiness, just any emotion, it's easier to buy, it's easier to connect, it's easier to sell, all of those things. So when I ask that question, that, and if I ask of you and you start describing it, I'm listening for, as TR would say, the friction points. I'm looking for the things that I can solve, you know, in the storybook. Sorry, brand way i'm looking for the problems yeah. like where's the where's the big bad guys that i'm going to help you defeat yeah you know? that's the thing so as you start describing it then all of a sudden and what we talked about earlier is you know 10 percent of the people will will start describing very technical things and uh in fact i got a spin off to this story yeah. so i so it's a it's a frameless linear high-end fireplace sale and Um, I met with the the lady and she was uh, the lady of the house and she loves the fireplace; She loves everything. Unless she wanted her husband to come back. So he came back by and this particular brand has, you know, cool wall technology and all that. So I was basically just going down the same road as I had gone down with her a couple of weeks prior, you know, hitting on all the same emotional stuff. And he is just like staring out in space, not really paying attention, just wandering around. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? And and then all of a sudden she says, Explain to him about the cool wall. So then I same thing I always do. Um, I hear <laughs> hear you talk about nobody really wants to hear about BTUs and all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. So I'm trying not to, you know, get too far down that. So I just I've started telling people like, listen, I'm a fireplace dude. You I got twenty years in this one industry. I'm only one of the top at One thing in my life. It's this <laughs> industry. So I really dig into it. Um, so I always tell the customer, I go, stop me if I start boring you. This is where I kind of geek out on fireplaces. You know, it happens all the time. And so I started talking to him about it. And he also he started engaging, started explaining to him how where these fireplaces were invented in Israel. The, the reason they were built like this is because they, you know, it's all – concrete construction we wanted big linears and smaller tighter spaces so we go down this road and he's totally engaged they're buying it's all done so i told him i'd go out and meet with their contractor and do a site visit in the following week just to make sure everything we talked about in the showroom will work on site yeah so i go out there and i meet the meet the contractor and, and he asked me if i knew who the husband was and i was like no you know who is he, he goes He's probably one of the smartest men you've ever met and i was like what he goes, yeah. So this guy goes to, to college for he gets a math degree. And then he gets his master's in this type of math that nobody uses anymore. He just wanted to try his it. like Greek of <laughs> the Greek of math. He just wanted to try it. So he gets his master's and he gets a call from NASA. They want him to come interview for this new product. This is back in the early 80s, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes out there and he interviews with them and interviews going great. And they say to him, oh, What we're really looking for is somebody that knows this type of math. And he goes, oh, I got a master's in that. I learned under so-and-so. And And they're like, you're hired. Can you start tomorrow? (laughs) So that was the Hubble Telescope program. No way. Yeah. This math is the type of math that deals with um, rocket propulsion. And he was, it's the best math to use. This is how much I know about it. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's the the best math. Yeah. So he, he worked on the Hubble Telescope and now he's part of Amazon's um, drone program. And when it was done, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I am so glad that I listened, because if I would have stuck to the emotional piece of how great it was going to look, and his, that guy didn't care about any of
0: that." Well, that goes back to just knowing your customer. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you yeah you spent you spent a ton of time with him, and after asking the right questions, you figured out that this is you know he had a different set of problems than his
1: wife had. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we got to solve both of them because they are hiring us, you know, they are hiring us to be their guide through the process. So, um, the other, one of my other things I love to tell people is that, you know, my goal here is, is when you're done like this project, whether it's a remodel or a full new construction, um, this is going to be a project and you're going to go through a lot of stress. My goal is when it's all done and you're having your adult cocktail your adult beverage in front of this fireplace, I want you to remember back and be thankful that, that you found me. Like that is my goal. I really want people that you know to to want to circle back. I anytime I get an invite to an open house or I just went out and fixed the fireplace on Friday, just was in the area, you know, a fireplace we installed a couple of years ago and it's having an intermittent issue. And so I, I went over there and tried to fix it myself and, and we got to go in and uh, the, another neighbor came over and they started talking to their aunt. So this weekend they're going to have a big party. And just as, because I was in there and the homeowner was like, you know what, Corey, you should come too. You should come too. And it's like, those are such great feelings. Like if, especially at the end of the project, you know, that can be, it's kind of like getting a good Yelp review or something. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate amount of appreciation, like it was all worth it. You know, none of us only work for money.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Wow. So here's where I want to go next. I want to ask you about this because I feel like we've kind of talked about it, but I want to see where this goes. The title of this episode is people buy from people they like. Mm
1: -hmm. And I want
0: to just riff on that for a little while. Cause I feel like there are so many unlikable salespeople And Mm -hmm. I think that the niche you found, I mean, you frankly sell three to four times as much as many of the businesses in our industry by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that the way you've built that is not by, I mean, not that you don't know fireplaces, but I don't think it's by knowing every single answer in every single detail, even though you're you're great at a lot of that. I think it's because people like you just straight up.
1: Yeah, you can't, you can't sell it, it. You can't sell big numbers and to know everything you almost have to turn those things off because if you know everything then everybody's going to want you to answer every question and it it's a really it's really hard you have trust is a big part and it's taken me many years to get to the point i remember um john waterstrat and i and i I was in his office. It's about three years ago in tears. Like this is the, the truth. I was in his office in tears because I was fighting with people on my own team. I was, I had builders mad at me. I had, uh, I, I wasn't happy, like just emotionally. I wasn't happy. And I just remember being in his office and actually his old, his partner is no longer with us, had flown up from Portland just up for this meeting. Cause I was a wreck. And, oh, I remember that. Um, I remember when he flew up. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really tough because, uh, I just I felt like I was being pulled in so many different directions. I couldn't be everything to everyone. And John looked at me and he said you have to take the tools out of your car. He said he literally sent me home that night and said when you get home, I want a picture of you taking that toolbox out of your car. You have to trust us. You have to trust our service team, you have to trust our production team, you have to trust our purchasing team. You have to trust all those people. And it it was really hard because it, you know, it, when you start trusting people, you open yourself up and you're more vulnerable, vulnerable. And that is a tough thing for me when, when, when you can do it all, you want to protect yourself and yep. do it all. But when you're also being asked to grow your sales, how how can you do it? Like that? There's just figure out the math. If you want to grow 20% more than you were last year, where is it going to come from? Are you going to, you know, you can work 20% more that that's an option. You can't, you, but you have to figure it out. Like where does the time? Because the time is the biggest commodity yeah. that we, we can't change. Yeah. So um, I took the tools out and and now I, I carry like a five and one. So I one. <laughs> yeah. I got like a screwdriver that'll help me do almost anything. But yeah, I I keep I like that in a
0: tape measure with me. <laughs> exactly.
1: So I I consciously you know I was kept telling them I want to be that person. You know that's why they that's one of the reasons some of them buy from me is because they know they can call me and I can go fix it. So what I decided to do was I'm gonna. I'm just going to ratchet down the technical level of what I can fix. Not everybody knows that I can fix it all. So you just stop fixing some of the stuff. And so I'll go out to, um, you know, anytime someone needs me to run by a job and see if you can do that. I'll always do that, especially if they're going to be there. Offer to bring them tacos. That's been new. I love to bring people tacos. Stop (laughs) at the taco truck. Bring it there. If you put a plate of food in front of someone, they're going to start eating them. And then you guys are going to laugh, and that that goes back to the people you like. Like have that kind of fun with people. Yep. You know, have have fun. That's that's the number one. Have fun doing it. And when you find a place in your job that isn't fun, it you go back to systems and processes. Like yeah. why isn't this fun? We all want to have fun. <laughs> like, it's bred into us. You know, it's in our trees. We want to have fun. So figure out in those sticky points why it's not happening, get buy in from all the different angles and and change it.
0: Yeah, well, and I feel like one of the testaments to you having people that like you and even like with your customers, I remember a while back you were looking for a place to stay and one of your builders offered up like his house, right? For you to for Mm -hmm. you to stay there. That blew my mind. I mean that's that's so amazing that your customer cares about you and says, Yeah, like, you know, while you're looking for a place, come stay with me.
1: And, and I, I, like, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it was a really rough time in my life. Um, and it was it was a dark time. And I had started hanging out with with him and his wife and his kids as they were building this house, a big, beautiful house with an unfinished basement. Um, we were all sitting around having some adult beverages. And he said, uh, well, you can move into the basement. And, you know, we and they paid for it and everything. But it was it it was great. It was nice to know I that amazing. I connected on such a level that this guy was willing to see me every day. Yeah, <laughs> and, and during a really dark time, like I was, <laughs> I look back on it and go, I don't know if I'd offer up my basement to where I was in that time, but, um, it was great.
0: Yeah. That's really cool, man.
1: You know, one thing that I don't know that you've talked about is being challenged and, and, how do you ch- what do you do for yourself if you're starting to burn out what are your tools to kind of get you back on track
0: Yeah man I think that goal setting is a huge one so when I have goals I feel like I'm unstoppable when I don't have goals I just flounder in chaos and burnout and fatigue the other is, I heard, I heard Donald Miller tell a story about an interview that he gave with Pete Carroll one time. And he says that he's interviewing Pete Carroll, and he, you know Pete Carroll's such a popular football coach, and all the players love him. He's, he's so uh, others-centered in his, in his coaching. It's not about him. And Donald asked him, how did you get that way? And Pete basically said, you know what? I was fortunate in life to have a bunch of early success at a young age, and I realized that it doesn't mean anything. And once you've had that level of success, what starts to light you up is helping other people get it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's dead on. I mean, I'm even thinking about this podcast for me has kind of become that of, yeah, we can have this amazing sales process ourselves and we can make a bunch of money and help customers and and lock it up and hold it tight.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I can feel totally hollow and empty. Yeah, yeah. Or we can start to change our focus to share with others who are on the journey, and I think it's going to be symbiotic because I think as we do that, I am going to get better. I think that my teams under me are going to get better, but I think that being a blessing to other, I, dude. I mean, it's what I think. So this goes into what I, where I believe, like the theology of blessing comes from. Like I believe the theology of blessing is that God has given us blessings in different capacities, and if we hold on to it, dude, it dies. Blessing is meant to be overflowed and poured into other people, and that's where mm-hmm. the money is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, I would I would tweak what you said a little bit yeah. I, and say, I believe that's not where the money is, but that's where the happiness is. There you go. That's where, that's where you um, kind of like settle into the pocket, if yeah. you will. stick to our sports analogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've watched you kind of ground yourself in finding that. So I'm I'm searching for that. I'm really, I'm really searching for that right now is to try to figure out where, where I can share those, those blessings with yeah. it's a really nice thing to hear you say that it kind of puts words in something that I've been feeling, but not being able to put words around. Yeah. Um, I'm just keep working. You know, keep being positive yeah. and and going towards the light. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely think it is about finding that North Star. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that, that you gotta have a North Star that's bigger than your than your day job because having a long term North Star that's pulling you, even when it seems like you're floundering in the day to day, having that North Star, you're always headed in that direction. And it's mm-hmm. funny looking back, like when I look back at my life, I can see the path that I took always being pulled by that North Star but in the moment i never ever would have guessed that i was even on the path i would just be like no man i you know i'm still floundering i'm still trying to figure it out but i was actually still heading that direction i don't know if that makes sense or not
1: yeah absolutely yeah there's a pull that you're. Uh, we all end up being pulled in different directions for yeah. um in positive and negative. If you're a negative person and you're always, you know, kicking dirt and this, then your, you know, your North Star is going to be a little darker. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that's, you're opening yourself up for that. But if you try to cut the darkness out, you know, then life's kind of easier. That's, that's what it comes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago, you know, finding the right customer. Like what is your goal in sales and what types of fireplaces that you want to sell? And then go and find the customer that buys that type. It requires you to have a, you know, put yourself in the frame of mind to find that customer.
0: I think that that is so profound. The idea of find your customer, don't push your product. Dude, that is brilliant. We should go out and find the people that need help and then build products to solve those problems. I mean, to Mm -hmm. be honest, like, that's what this podcast has been is like, I know the five people by name that I started this podcast for. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. That's awesome. So one question I want to ask you as we as we wrap up here, circling back to just practical sales, if you've got a new sales rep that is selling to builders mm-hmm. and they're just you know they're they're banging their head against a wall, what what are you if you if they, if they can say Corey you sell millions and millions of dollars of stuff every year I got to talk to you for 15 minutes I I can't yeah. do it I'm 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 burned out I'm overworked I can't figure out this builder world you, you, they give you 15 minutes what are you gonna tell them.
1: I'm gonna tell them let's take tomorrow off. Like literally, I'm gonna say let's just take tomorrow off because it. And and then I'm gonna explain it in the frame of mind that they're in right at that moment. You might as well take tomorrow off. <laughs> it all comes down to you buy from friends. That's what you want to be is that person that brings a different value to it. You know, I I won't name it by name, but one of the first years, year or two that I was here, um, one of our other salespeople that had been here forever. You know, he was selling the same product that I was. We both bid on the same job. Like this is shouldn't even say this out loud. We (laughs) bid on the same job and he beat me by like five grand. Wow. Which is quite a big number, like a pretty big percentage. And so the customer came back to us and said the homeowner had gone to him and the customer had gone to me. And he came back to me saying, Why is your price five thousand dollars more? So again, my first move is always get them off the phone. I got to collect myself because I just got called out. Yeah. Like my, whenever I'm called out, backed into a corner, my initial reaction is always to fight. Sure. And yeah. that you're never going to sell something if you're fighting. <laughs> so my first response is always to try to respectfully get myself off the phone by telling them that they must, whatever they're noticing must be right. And I must've made a mistake. I need to dig into how that happened. So I got off the phone and I and I called him and I was like, man, what happened? He goes, Corey, you are charging way too much. And I said, why do you think that? And he said, well, because you know you, this is this and this is that. And he had a good reason, so he was right. I was also right. And at the end, I said, but your value, what are you worth? Like you're right, that is the right price to get a fireplace with an install. But this is hiring custom. You got five or six extra trips as a firespace engineer goes out there like i gotta get paid for those times and so having him recognize that he had value it was just eye-opening this is someone that i looked up to big time but he didn't recognize how much value he brought to the table wow we lost that sale unfortunately <laughs> but we we learned a lot from it and i watched his margins go up 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 all because now he recognized and now he knew how to talk about value not a circle back just to finish the story. Yeah. I did have to call the builder back and, and tell him, well, this is why. And I, and I had to break down every trip. So this is my pre-con trip. This is the trip that I come out. I meet with you and your designer so that I can understand your design so that then I can take that design to our install trip and make sure it goes. But I, I broke it down to here's why the price was different. Now you can say that I'm, you know, that I'm over, overinflated. Yeah, I'm overinflated that, that my my value is lower than that. And that's okay. That's just a, a disagreement. But at least I could I could back it up at that point.
0: So I want to put you on the spot here. I want to ask you,
1: what's the coolest fireplace you've ever sold? Oh, by far. It's a fire cave by Stellar Harp. Um, what is I a fire call, cave? The, I gotta, <laughs> it's a high-rise downtown Seattle. And the top two floors are penthouses. And there's a penthouse floor that's all amenities just for the penthouse suites. So one of my builder, I had residential builder who also owns these commercial buildings. Um, he called me. Him, the architect, had this room called the fire cave, and there's a you know there's a pool up there, all these things. But when you're in at one end of the room and you look down, the far end it looks like a phone booth that's about four feet off the ground with the door open, and he said this is a fireplace. So I went to Stellar and said these guys want a vertical linear, eight foot tall, thirty inches wide with a a flaming, you know, a flame going straight up the middle of it. And they said, no, 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 we can't, you can't do that. Nobody does vertical linear, you know. And I was like, oh, all right, so back to the drawing board. And uh, my partner, Eli, actually found a picture similar of uh, you know, kind of an inspirational photo. Yeah. Found this this picture, and uh, so we took uh we took that, that picture during a sales meeting that Stellar was out at. And I had this picture in my phone, and and the same guy was up in front of the whole sales staff. He goes, We can do anything. <laughs> I raised my I raised my hand, <laughs> you can see where this is going. Oh, yeah. And I was like, No, you can't. And he's like, Yes, we can do anything. I go no, you can't do anything. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, you told me I couldn't do a vertical linear. And that was just enough push that they went back to the drawing board and they figured out a way to do it and now they've done it multiple times they've made some you know I think it's a they've got one that's 8 foot horizontal but then takes a 90 and goes up the wall yeah yeah so it was really cool so the fire cave is I call it a flaming stripper pole it's, just, <laughs> it's literally no glass no you can climb in there and it is so cool so yeah, that, that's we'll have to cool. post a
0: picture of that in the show
1: notes yeah so, I will so, so, so it's
0: 8 feet high
1: linear yep. flame How, so how's the flame like how's like it's a, where's it's the burn it's spirals it spirals up a pole. So if you imagine a, like a gas log lighter, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's eight foot tall <laughs> and those holes in it spiral. It's really, really cool. Fire That's posts. rad.
0: So here's the last thing I got. I know I keep saying that this is the last question, but <laughs> I, I love just talking with you. I heard a rumor that when you got hired at Fireside, you had a pink mohawk <laughs> and a handlebar mustache. Yes. So, you know, for, so for someone like me, I'm always about like, Hey, look clean, look professional. You have really opened my eyes to the fact that, you know what, dude, we sell fireplaces. That's kind of weird. Like it's okay to make a statement. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'll, I'll tack another piece onto that. We had to do a, uh, you know, your elevator pitch, typical, you know, thing, you gotta have your elevator pitch. And in the beginning of my elevator pitch is always the same. I was fortunate enough that my mom never told me not to play with fire. <laughs> like this would have changed my life. If she would have said, Corey, don't play with fire. What would I be doing today? Like she never said that. So here I am. But, um, yeah, it's funny. So I, I, Fireside has always been the giant in the market I live in. And so I've always been against and fought against and fought against them. And, uh, it was the second time I had actually interviewed with John and Bob Balder and I, I actually texted Bob Balder one night when I knew the company that I was presently working for was on their way out they weren't paying their bills. They weren't, I just, you know, the writing was on the wall. Yeah, I yeah. was like, I got to get out before I burn a builder. Um, and so I text Bob and said, "Hey, you know, my feelings are hurt that you haven't tried to get me to come work for you lately." And his only response was, "If you're serious, I'll call you in the morning." And I just replied, "I'm serious." So I go to this interview in our small, you know, at that time a small retail showroom in Kent, and I did. I had a, it was a yellow and orange. It looked like a flame <laughs> a mohawk <laughs> and a big handlebar mustache, and uh, I I came in there and I just remember. That Angela, who is the office manager, yeah. I remember her and the the other ladies in the office looking out the windows and going, "Who is this guy?" And <laughs> at this point, I knew I was getting hired. John knew he was going to hire me. The numbers, you know, he was just he was just buying the numbers, really, you know. Yep. And then I walked in. He had he hadn't seen me since I interviewed with him, you know, two years earlier, and uh, and I got the job. <laughs> it's just I don't. The funnier story than that one is the Tim Reth, like You know, every time that. Every time we hire a new salesperson, Tim would fly out oh, and yeah. fight with him. So, the way I'm going to tell it the way Tim tells it, I, I don't think I was dressed this way, but I'll tell it <laughs> his way because it's funnier. He tells me to this day, he goes, Yeah. So then John Waterstrap tells me that we got this new sales guy, Corey DuPay. He's coming on board and he's going to be the new Bob Balder of, of Fireside. It's going to be great. He goes, then this guy shows up with a handlebar mustache, a big mohawk wearing a wife beater and flip flops. (laughs) And he shows up and we and I got to ride along with this guy. We're riding around the Puget Sound and this guy won't stop talking. All he does is talk, talk, talk. And I'm in the passenger seat thinking, how is this guy ever going to be a salesperson? He doesn't shut up He goes. then we show up at the first job and. We walk inside and Corey talks to this customer and we figured out it was actually an insert. We figured it all out and we get back in the car and start going. And Tim looks at me and goes, wow, how long have you known that guy? And uh, I said, I have never met him before. We have only spoken on the phone a couple of times. And he goes, really? And he just walked right in and listened. He goes, you changed. You totally changed. You talk too much when we're driving around, (laughs) but you listen perfectly when you're in front of a customer. And I was like, Tim, here's the deal, man. I know what your job is. Your job is to give information back to John Waterstrat about me. My job is to throw as much on the table that you're going to only remember the good stuff, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell John. Dude, John, that is uh, awesome. That's the story. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Corey,
0: I think that we're going to wrap it up. I got to say, I mean, I appreciate, number one, just the friendship, having somebody like you in my corner that I can bounce stuff off of and, and just the inspiration of seeing someone. I mean, I, I truly believe when it comes to active salespeople in the field right now, there is no one better in, in this continent than you. I mean, I'm 100% sure of that is. I think it's just awesome to call you a friend and be able to, to pick your brain for just some nuggets here.
1: Oh, thanks, Tim. I really appreciate that. And and right back at you, I, what you've done for all of us, in uh, talking about this sales approach and and talking about processes and and really kind of trying to come up with some vocabulary around what a lot of us have been taught or or do naturally it is is you're doing a great thing for the for the industry and and we appreciate you
0: Thanks man well I appreciate that thanks for coming on board today
1: you're welcome man have a great day All right I'll well, see you
0: Well, I hope you guys got some serious value out of that conversation. I thought it was just awesome to get some insight into one of the brightest minds of our industry. Seriously, when it comes to high-end custom sales, there is no one better than Corey DePay. And I just love getting the chance to pick his brain and talk to him. You know, one of the things that we really hit on that I think is super, super important is that idea of what is success for? Because at the end of the day... If success is only about you, it's not that fulfilling. I think it was really important how he touched on the idea that the beauty of success and blessing is that it can be poured into others so that they can win as well. And that is something to take to the bank. So with one episode left in season two, I hope that's one thing that you guys are thinking on for the next few months. Just so you guys know, next week's episode to wrap things up is going to be the Q&A episode and I've got all kinds of questions from people all over North America who have been writing in asking things for me to tackle. And so we're going to dive in next week to answer your questions. After that, we're going to take a break for a few months. And the plan is that Season 3 is going to kick off just after Labor Day in September. Now, there's going to be a couple bonus episodes in between now and then. There's a couple really fun things that I've been cooking on. And I'm going to just throw those out randomly over the next couple months. But Season 3 is going to be so focused and I just can't wait for you guys to hear it. What we're going to do is in the first seven episodes of season three, we're going to tackle the seven steps of my sales process. and Those are really, really simple, but they make life easy for a customer and simple for your team to sell. So I'm really excited to jump into that. Now, I'm teasing you guys, but there is going to be a huge announcement in season three that I cannot wait to tell you guys about. This is something that I've been cooking on for a little while, and I I think it's going to be big. What I will say is that if the content from this podcast has been helping your business grow, and if you've been enjoying the community that's been created, just wait. I cannot wait to share this with you. So with all of that said, I hope you guys go out and be a blessing this week. And I can't wait to circle back and wrap things up next week with the Q&A episode. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the fire time podcast to learn more, visit the website. It's fire time.com music from this episode was written and recorded by in blue out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the fire time podcast where it's never hot enough. Slow is fast. And the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.